Today's episode features another great reselling conversation and a wee bit of reselling news. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 30. That's a nice round number, 30 of the Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. My name is Ryan, and as always, I am coming to you from a pretty chilly bat cave. Uh, it's 11 degrees outside this morning, and the bat cave has gotten colder and colder and colder throughout the winter. So it's a little chilly down here, but we will persevere nonetheless. In today's episode, we have got a terrific reselling conversation with Aaron, who goes by Rebel Junk on YouTube and Instagram and all her various things. We had a really great chat, and I hope you will enjoy that. But first, news updates. Let's get a little bit of news out of the way. It is all eBay all the time today. Uh, first up, this is kind of one of those things that just keeps on keeping on. eBay says it is targeting users attempting to sell empty PS5 boxes. This is something that had kind of reared its ugly head prior to the holidays that is still continuing on. Uh, the auction site says it is targeting users attempting to sell empty boxes for significant sums of money. According to eBay, listings for empty boxes or photos of items do not comply with its no items listing policy and will be removed as sellers are not allowed to misrepresent what they are listing for for sale on the auction site. However, despite eBay's claim that it is targeting those selling empty next-gen console boxes at the time of publishing, several such listings were up for sale. To date, multiple auctions for empty PS5 boxes have completed at over $1,000. However, eBay claims in a statement issued to Snopes that these listings were never paid for. Uh, You are allowed to sell empty boxes. I've sold boxes for vintage cameras and stuff like that. So you, it is something that you can do, but what you can't do is misrepresent it and mislead people into thinking they're actually going to receive the item itself rather than just the box. So uh, eBay continues to try to crack down on this with greater or lesser success. Moving on, sticking with eBay. Uh, we talked about, I believe it was last week, that eBay was rolling managed payments out to three countries in Europe they announced this week that they are also rolling it out this uh, this April, actually, to Greater China. eBay is expanding its management of payments for sellers in Greater China starting in April of 2021. Quote, sellers in Greater, Greater China place a high value on a convenient and seamless selling experience on eBay sites across the globe, and they typically, typically manage multiple accounts and need streamlined operations. The offering will drive significant efficiencies and benefits for our customers, including helping our buyers pay the way they want. We will transition all sellers in the coming months and have designed our process with our sellers in mind so they can easily and quickly take advantage of this important change. Company also recently announced, as I just mentioned, that is it is expanding its managed payments to France, Italy, and Spain in the first quarter of this year eBay's managed payments reached a significant milestone at the end of July 2020 with the expiration of its operating agreement with PayPal. 
Uh, I found this interesting. During the third quarter of 2020, eBay managed payments for over 20% of its on-platform volume with over 340,000 active sellers enrolled worldwide. The company continues to be on track to roll out managed payments globally, transitioning a majority of its sellers in the marketplace onto the experience this year. Managed payments is expected to, to deliver two billion dollars in revenue and 500 million dollars in operating income to ebay by 2022 so there's big money in this managed payments thing which has been one of the things that folks have talked about a lot in the various ebay groups and facebook groups and whatnot that this is essentially all a cash grab by ebay which to a greater or lesser extent is probably true. This was the result, as we've talked about on several occasions, of some of the activist investors pushing eBay to sever their ties with PayPal so that they could reap the benefits of the payment processing profits. And that is what has come to pass. Most of those uh, activist investors, though, as we've talked about previously, are long gone. Uh, continuing on once again with eBay, uh, try out the new unified listing experience eBay announced on late on Tuesday that starting today, some sellers can try out our new redesigned listing experience, which brings more consistency to how you list across devices over the next few weeks. We'll expand this option to all sellers. When you're eligible, you will see quote unquote, try the new listing tool where you create new listings. Uh, it will become the default for some sellers starting in February and for all sellers sometime during the spring. This update combines the best features in our current listing flows, giving you a streamlined listing experience that's more consistent across all of your devices. It means wherever you list, mobile, tablet, or desktop, you'll see a clean, unified look, and you'll have just one listing experience that can scale with your business. If this has rolled out to you and you've already seen it and taken a look at it, let me know down in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube what it looks like. I have not, uh, I've not seen it yet, so I can't say. But uh, if you have, let us know what you're seeing. Lastly, in continuing shipping dramas, this time in Canada, Canada Post and export carriers are experiencing extended delays. This uh, post came up on the 22nd, so just a couple of days ago. For shipper, easy for me to say, for sellers shipping items to Canada, an unprecedented volume has created delays for Canada Post and all carriers shipping to Canada. The increased number of shipments combined with the recent restrictions and modified processes to protect carrier employees and the public from the spread of COVID-19 have resulted in delays of up to 10 business days in deliveries from the United States to Canada. Uh, and again, in response to this, eBay has extended estimated delivery dates, and they are also claiming once again to remove neutral and negative feedback. That is the result of items not received or items received late cases. I mentioned in my Wednesday podcast that I had several that had not automatically dropped off, and yeah, it's the announcer's curse or good luck, I guess. Later that day, uh, at least one of them did finally get cleared off by eBay. So that was good news. Uh, I appreciate that eBay. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we recognize it is in your nature to immediately make things right 
for the buyer, but given unprecedented and unpredictable shipping delays, cases may take longer to resolve. We ask that you keep lines of communication with your buyers open. So if you're shipping within Canada or to Canada, just be aware that there are some exceptional delays. With that, we are going to take a super quick break for our podcast listeners for a quick sponsor announcement, and then we will be right back with our reselling conversation. Stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts and you want to do me a solid, please leave me a review. That would be awesome. If you're listening anywhere else, there's a link in the show notes to my Podchaser page where you can also go and leave a review. Be sure to check me out on YouTube at Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips and follow me on Instagram at Galaxy CDs Rocks. Thanks again. Hey everyone, welcome to another reseller conversation. Today I am super excited to be talking to not only another reseller, but another YouTube content creator. So we'll be able to get into some different topics. Please give a warm Galaxian welcome to Aaron Rebel Junk. <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you. So how are you? How's things going? Good. Just a little rushed today, but you know, some days are like that. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I had that same experience. I was on eBay Addicts show yesterday and I was on waiting for him at, we were going to go live at four o'clock and at like 4.07, he finally comes on. He's still driving. He's like, man, I got, I'm all out of whack because of the holiday and the banks were closed and I'm so far behind. (laughs) So I definitely get it. Stuff definitely comes up. So for those of my viewers and listeners that aren't familiar with you, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, um, I am a reseller, probably like many of your viewers and listeners, and I started that about a year ago. Um, my YouTube channel came shortly after that. It's all reseller content. So I just, you know, share where we're picking things up and how much it's selling for when it finally sells. Um, you know, typically day to day, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I have a Girl Scout troop. Um, and then I just, I do my eBay business from home. Yeah. And if I remember right from seeing, I think it was on Instagram, you have a, a small zoo at your home as well. You've got like <laughs> four cats and a couple of dogs and a fish. Am I remembering that right? That is exactly right. Yep. Yep. Uh, I have just one cat and that's that's plenty for me. So. Yes, but she's beautiful. I've seen her. Thanks. Are, are the pets all yours or are they are they the responsibility of some of the folks in the household with you or do you have to do all that work? Well, no. Okay. So my husband and I and my youngest daughter, um, my youngest daughter is 14. She's still at home. My two older children are adults and have moved out. Um, but you know, she does is one of her chores, um, feeding and caring for some of them. And we all take turns letting the dogs out 10 times a day whenever right. they go out. That's, I would love to have Come a dog, in. but that's one of the reasons I don't. Cause I just, if, if I decide to go, you know, sourcing, and go some long distance, I might be gone 10, 12 hours. And I just don't feel like that's fair for a dog. Cats generally don't really care if you're home or not. <laughs> Most of the time, they're just kind of doing their own thing anyway. So um, are yeah. you a full-time, part-time reseller? What's How do you categorize yourself? Three quarters time. Yeah. Do you, yeah. do you have... <laughs> a little bit more than half, not quite full. Yeah. Um, I kind of do it when, um, you know... I, obviously, you know, there's a, a demand on my time as far as what sells and when I have to get it out. 
Um, but as far as, you know, forcing myself to go out and source or list, I don't have any requirement that I need to do it. I'm, I mean, I enjoy it, but just like, um, this week's been kind of crazy. Monday, Tuesday, I don't think I photographed or listed anything, but I did have some sales that came in. They're actually, you know, still sitting here waiting to go. <laughs> um, so, you know, as far as that requirement goes, but uh, we don't necessarily depend on this income for day-to-day expenses. It's extra money for our family. Um, it does help pay some some debt down faster than we would be able to if I wasn't doing this. Right. Did you have kind of a goal in mind when you started reselling to pay down debt or pay for a vacation? Or what, Tell me a little no. bit about how you decided <laughs> to go down this path. Well, it's kind of just a culmination of a lot of things in my life. So we've always been garage sailors. We've always been, you know, enjoyed shopping and things like that. And we always enjoyed old things, vintage things. And so this past year, I started volunteering with a local charity that has a large garage sale every year. And when that got shut down right in March, when we were, before we could have the sale because of COVID, um, I took some, to home, some things home and said, hey, let me see if I can sell them on eBay. I've always had an eBay account. I think mine dates back to 2003. Um, I've bought a few things. I've sold a few things, but I've never made a business out of it. Right. But in selling their things and being surprised at how quickly some of the things sold. And I had some experience with shipping um, with some other businesses that I had done in the past. So it kind of all just came together all at once. So I had things at home that I was selling for charity. I had things at home that I was selling for myself. And then I started sourcing for more. Nice. So how did you keep track of which things belonged to which people? Because a lot of times resellers were kind of notorious for not being real diligent sometimes with our paperwork (laughs) and our inventory and that kind of stuff. So what kind of process did you have to kind of keep those things separate? eBay has a fantastic program um, for charities. So if you have a um, federal designation, I think it's called a 501. 3C yeah. or something. There, there's a there's a number that anyhow you have to have a federal ID for your charitable organization, and then eBay will let you set up an account for that organization. So when I go in and list at the bottom of the listing, it asks, "Do you want to donate all or a portion of your proceeds to charity?" And I put in all, and then I choose the charity that I'm working with, which by the way is called Christian Clearinghouse, and then that money comes out of my PayPal account. And goes to them. Okay, so the you don't have to do anything; it all goes straight yep. to them. So that's awesome. Yep. I had no idea that you could you could set that up like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I just yeah I, yeah that was that was really neat. Yeah, yeah. I just talked about in the video that I published earlier today. We're recording this on Wednesday, by the way, and I, I talked about um, eBay just had another record year for their contributions to charity, okay. and wow. it was. I forget what the number was now, but just it's a massive number of organizations that are involved in receiving funds from sellers kind of all over the world. So it's a really great program. Um, How did you get involved with the charity there? I assume they're local. They are. It's a local organization. Um, And honestly, through their garage sale, because I always enjoyed shopping there. It's huge. People line up hours before they open. Um, it's elbow to elbow, people throwing things, grabbing things. It's a, I mean, 
it sounds terrible, but it's really um, a fun event if you enjoy it, a garage sale, because it's huge. It's just massive. And the donations just come in every year because people are so used to every year, you know, the greenhouse opens and we take the donations in for about a month ahead of time. We also have two semi-trailers that we stash during the wow. year for people that have donations. Um, but anyhow, just going through the garage sale and then, you know, one day I stopped in and I asked a few questions and did they need help? And um, there was another lady there that I didn't realize that I knew that worked on it. And she said, yes, we need information about these craft supplies. I know you're a crafter. Can you come help? And I said, well, yeah, because I get a preview, you know. <laughs> so it just it just was a matter of, you know, kind of walking in there and talking to people. Nice. So how much of the stuff that they had collected for the sale, were you able to help them move? Was it a significant amount or how did that work out? No, there's so much. No, Um, probably a couple of thousand dollars, which was, you know, which is good. Um, But the sale brings in tens of thousands. Um, So I was selling things like there was a pottery set that kind of caught my eye and I looked it up and I said, hey, I can sell this for more than what we're asking for here. Um, purses, which I knew enough about to pick out the ones that I knew would sell quickly and for a decent amount and worth my time to help them. Yeah. Um, trying to think, um, some Christmas supplies, I grabbed some Easter supplies and we had to move out quick. We had to move out quick. So there wasn't a whole lot. There was, um, a Betty Boop calendar from, uh, I can't think of the name of the company that they make all kinds of collectibles. That, you know, I was just going through looking things up and that one um, struck me about, you know, a couple hundred dollars that we could get out of it. I packed that up and took it with me. So it was just, it was really odds and ends. And did going through that process, do you think that helped you when you decided to like pursue this three quarter Mm -hmm. time yourself? Did you learn some new kind of niches and stuff that were able to help you with your, your own eBay business? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I never would have guessed that Betty Boop calendar was more right. than worth more than $5, you know, if even that. Um, the Again, the purses I knew, I knew what I was looking for there. The pottery, I just happened to look up the name on the bottom. It just, it struck me as something that was a little bit more substantial than what I was used to seeing things that came in through there. But um, honestly, it gave me a little bit of confidence too, because right. I thought, well, I'll list this stuff. We'll see if it'll sell. But stuff started selling. Yep. You I know, think a lot you of know, people. Every time you hear that ching on your phone, you're like, yeah. oh, I just sold something. And, you know, it kind of is almost, um, hits that reward sensor in your brain. You right. know, I did something right. Let's do it again. Yep. <laughs> kind yep. of a thing. Uh, but yeah, definitely a confidence booster seeing that, you know, I could find things that are valuable and understand that I could look up and find things that I didn't know about. So yeah, Definitely. And I've learned a lot in a year. Holy moly. Yeah. A lot. So Mm -hmm. give us some examples of some things that you learned. Well, I've learned this is huge community on YouTube. Right. (laughs) I had no, I I was just telling eBay addicts (laughs) yesterday, I was talking to Jeff in that interview and I was like, I had no idea that reselling really was even a thing when, before I got started. And then I found this just massive community, all these people and the, you know, the videos and the Instagrams and the whole nine yards. I mean, it's really a great group of people. And I don't know how YouTube knew to recommend those videos to me, but they started showing up as recommendations after I started working on eBay. So I'm just imagining there's some connection there somewhere in my searches. Um, but yeah, I'm absolutely amazed at the community, the information, the help that people are willing to give, the questions that they answer, the groups that are out there. Right. 
So, um, you know, just finding, I never would have picked up an electronic to resell. There's no way I never, um, there's so many things. Oh my gosh. Glassware. (laughs) I never, I'm looking at my shelf. Like, what do I, what do I have over here? Brass. I would have not have picked up a single piece of brass and looked at the bottom of it. Um, there's some jewelry. I, I, you know, I knew kind of some costume jewelry names, but there's a whole world out there of, of all of that. Oh, um, model trains. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's huge money never, in model trains. <laughs> I never would have picked up one of those. Um, so I, I mean, I learned how to resource and how to look things up. I've learned what kind of resources are available, which that's huge in itself. Just knowing what's available to learn from. So a lot. <laughs> right. What kind of resources do you use? Most people use just pretty much solely the eBay app. They're out at a sale and they, you know, they look up an item or they scan something. Do you have other tools that you use? You know, if eBay fails, I go straight to Google. Right. Um, I tend to flip back and forth between the two of those, although I'm not beyond looking through Poshmark or Etsy also. Macari. I sell, excuse me, I sell a few things on there. Um, I don't tend to use that as a resource for prices, but right. that's because I have other ones. Yeah, they they seem like they're on a completely different pricing model sometimes. You know, stuff I look yeah. at on eBay and then I look it up on Mercari and they're not, they're not even close. So I don't know why that is, but what, what all platforms do you sell on? Um, excuse me one second. <laughs> Okay. I got you all choked so up with I that have, question. <laughs> I did. Had to think about that. So I have accounts for things like Facebook Marketplace, Etsy, Mercari, obviously eBay, Poshmark. I think that's all of them. Um, I, I have recently um, just kind of moved away from Facebook Marketplace because I don't want to see the rest of Facebook. And so I don't like having to log in there see the newsfeed and then go to marketplace. So I've kind of, um, I took everything down off of there just recently. And then, um, Etsy is kind of hit or miss. I saw a lot of vintage wrapping paper on Etsy. (laughs) That's my main, um, inventory over there. So the rest of them are Poshmark more and more is taking hard goods and household items. And so I tend to cross post on all three of those. Okay. That was my next question. Do you cross post or do you have specific items that you sell on specific sites? Um, you know, I cross, I, everything goes on eBay first. And then from eBay, I kind of take a little bit of a look and see, well, would this be a good fit for the other ones? But most things that go on eBay can also go on Mercari. Um, I We'll tend to wait and see if it's going to sell on eBay first before I cross post it. Clothing always goes on to Poshmark and eBay. Um, but from there, just it's hit or miss, really. Right. Which which of the platforms do you feel like you get the most bang for your buck? Oh, eBay. I mean, yeah. you can't beat the numbers and the audience over there. How do you like Poshmark? Because I, I don't sell clothing for a lot of reasons that I've talked about in the past. But when I look at Poshmark, one of the things that really kind of puts me off is all of the kind of social stuff they really would like you to do, the sharing of the closets and all that kind of stuff. Tell me a little bit about what how you feel about all that. You know, I don't. I don't mind either way. Um, I don't necessarily make it a job to sit down and do all of the sharing. But if I think about it, 
or if um, a notification pops up. So I'll open the app and it'll say, hey, this party is going on for this specific brand or this, you know, household good or whatever. And I might share a couple things to that party. I don't set any alarms to make sure that I go in and share things on purpose. But if I open the app for something else, maybe I'll share the top three items in my closet. Do you find that it has an impact on your business when you do those nope. things? No. I was curious whether that was a lot of wheel spinning or <laughs> I know they're really because it gives them activity on their website so they can say we have this many users who are active every day kind of thing. And it, obviously their IPO went crazy the other day. They're just rolling in money. But I wondered as an individual seller if it was really all that beneficial. The only direct benefit I can see from my experience only um, is if there is a party that's going on for a specific item or a specific brand, I have had items that I've shared to parties that will sell within that time frame, but it's scattered. I mean, maybe, you know, five things out of a hundred. Yeah. So, you know, it's like you're taking a chance that this might help, but if you do it, it might not do anything at all. So if you have a second, in my mind, if I have a second, I do it. And if not, I don't make it a priority. Yeah. How do you feel about the the profitability of the different platforms? The the sales velocity obviously is the best on eBay, but mm-hmm. do you make more yeah. money on an item maybe on Poshmark than you do on eBay or do you notice much difference? I don't think there's much difference because on eBay, I promote everything at 2%. It almost puts me at that same 20% mark that you're at with Poshmark. I charge shipping on every platform. Um, so that's not a benefit to me either way. Um, Macari is kind of a different mindset over there almost because everybody walks in there looking for an item to ask for a discount. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I feel like anybody that logs into Macari is going to find an item and ask for a discount. Although some people do buy things outright um, at my asking price on there. Um, in general, uh, most items on there, I take an offer from somebody or I've sent an offer. And so I tend to go in there and price everything way higher than I put it on I, eBay. I was just going to ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nope. That makes so sense. So if you know you're going in there and having, you're going to have to mark something down, I just automatically price it up that percentage. So it comes about even. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the kinds of things that you sell. You've mentioned, you know, glassware and clothing, but give me, give us kind of an mm-hmm. overview of the the items that you genuinely like to sell. So my daughter and I actually sat down the other day and we're making categories in my eBay store. And some of the larger categories that I have are dishes, um, wrapping paper. I I do tend to, the wrapping paper I buy in the squares, not the rolls, the old vintage wrapping paper that you used to buy like two seats at Hallmark. Um, So I, so wrapping paper, dishes, glasses, accessories, wallets, purses, um, jewelry, um, I, we might've created a category for electronics. I just have a few bits and pieces that I picked up here and there. I'm just kind of looking around to see right. what categories we created the other day. Um, my son gave me some electronics, so a little bit of video game pieces right. are in there. A lot of, I'm, I pick up a lot of, uh, plates, cups, and dishes. Yeah. I like to part them out. How did you come to that? Is that something that you had an interest in previously? Or is that something that you found through your kind of research that, hey, this is something that there's a demand for that's profitable that I can find a bunch of? What was that? 
It's definitely available. Um, you don't want to pick up all of it, though. So you, you have to look them up. But I learned that from Cat the Nurse Flipper. Okay. And, you know, you pick up a set of dishes. There's probably a piece here and a piece there that somebody's looking for. Even if somebody initially bought an entire set of dishes, they may have broken a plate in a right. bowl and just want to replace those pieces. And it's easier to ship a plate in a bowl than it is for place settings. Oh, absolutely. Yep. So, yeah, selling them out piece by piece is, um, has been fairly profitable. I started out with a grouping that I had found on Facebook Marketplace fairly inexpensively, and I just was scrolling through one night when I couldn't sleep, and I was looking up brand names of things that I came across, and that one had a high sell-through rate, and also um, she was selling it very inexpensively, and I could definitely make a profit off of it. Yeah. Do you typically so- buy like whole collections, whole place settings, or do you look for specific items? Um, if I can find a set, I'll grab it. Um, we grabbed one set at um, a charity garage sale we had been at. Um, I grabbed those ones on Facebook Marketplace. I'll, if I see something at Goodwill, I'll look it up. Um, so it it just depends. Like I have one set that's just a cup of bowl and a plate, and I have another one where I bought you know twelve place settings. And how did you part that out? Did you do like a place setting, like 12 individual or did, is it 12 plates, 12 saucers, 12 cups? <laughs> I made a listing for the dinner plates with, you know, six ninety nine a plate or whatever the price was, um, 12 available and, you know, 12 solid plates. So they could go in and order how many they right. needed. And that's been yeah. very successful. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you how do you ship that sort of stuff? I know a lot of people stay away from dishes and glassware because they're concerned about breakage and damage yeah. on the way. So, give us some give us some tips. I'll give you a visual. So, here's my first step, and these are little envelopes that are kind of like styrofoam, yep. so they're fairly thick. So that's the first step, and then small bubbles. <laughs> oh, I can't reach the big bubbles, and then the big bubbles. Okay. Nope, they're not going to make it over That's here. all right. So I have three layers. And then if that doesn't fill the box, I put void fill in there. So crumpled up paper. Yep. And have you had any issues with damage? Not since I started doing this. Right. Um, in the past, I have. Okay. I've learned. <laughs> right. <laughs> so where do you find yep. like those, uh, those styrofoam-like envelopes? These I got on Amazon. The bubble wrap I get on eBay. Yeah. And how much, how many of those can you get in a quantity and about what's the cost of, hmm. do they come in different sizes or do you just get they one? Yep, two different sizes. <laughs> do you use those so for have, cups, bowls, everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Even ceramic figurines, um, basically anything that could shatter or crack. Um, I tend to use that three steps. Um, they're not expensive. I off the top of my head, I can't think of what they cost. Um, but I order them about 50 envelopes at a time. Um, so I don't think they're because I'm cheap. I'm going to guess <laughs> that these are costing me less than a nickel a piece. Right. That's well, less, and that's yeah, I was going to say, even if they're a little more <laughs> than that, they're, it's more economical than a, a broken item claim and it having is. to eat the whole thing. So, I mean, it totally <laughs> makes sense. Do you do, yes, I see it. eat a couple. <laughs> when I first started watching um, YouTube videos on that, there were a lot of sellers of glassware and whatnot that talked about, you know, box in a box. They would 
put everything mm-hmm. in a small box and then void fill a bigger box and put that box in there. Is that something you've ever done? Do you think that's necessary? It always struck me as overkill, but I'm not, you that's know, not I my area. It would, depend. <laughs> it would it, that's going to be, to me, that's going to depend on the value of the item. And I've never felt that anything was so excessively valuable that I was shipping that I would want to do that. Um, I do ship through the global shipping program, but I have not even felt the need to do that going overseas. If you've got a sturdy enough box and you've got, right. like I said, I'm, I'm three layers in at this point, um, plus whatever to stabilize it from moving around in the box. Yeah. I think it's okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I've not done that. Um, I can't think of anything that I would do that for. I, the only time, honestly, the only time I ever did that was an item that came in its original box. But it right. had styrofoam that shaped to the shape of the tree. Yeah. And I, you know, I left it in that box and put that box in a box. Right. Yeah, I would probably no, do that with like a coffee mug that came in a box and I already had it and I would put that in a bigger box. But the, the double boxing thing, I'd see them put it in like, you know, a mug would go in a four by four or six by six. And then that goes in like an eight by eight or whatever. And I'm like, Man, that just seems like a lot of boxes and a lot of extra weight and... <laughs> Yeah, you're right. That would be probably more weight than you want to pay for to ship it in. Right. I mean, I guess if you're charging shipping and you kind of know what the weight's going to be and you don't end up Mm -hmm. paying the extra yourself, it works out. But just it always struck me as a bit much. If you only like if I didn't have these three layers of bubbles, I would say if you're just wrapping it in packing paper and putting it in a box in a box, that would make sense. Yeah. But if you've got I've got too much padding on it to need all of that right. extra space. So, no, I'm I'm very comfortable now with this process um, for, you know, I would say at least half the items that I should have found are breakable. So, yeah. So what's kind of the price tier of the stuff you, you mentioned that you really haven't had anything that was so expensive that you thought you needed to do a lot of extra. Mm-hmm. So what's kind of the price range of the stuff that you sell? Um, probably the lowest price item I have listed right now is around $6. And I just sold my highest priced item ever, which was 500. Yeah. But was that that cool. gold necklace that you posted the other day? Cause that was, that's on my extra list of questions here. I wanted to ask <laughs> about that. So Yep, it just sold this morning. I took that's an awesome. offer. So, but it's not breakable, so I'm not worried about box in a box for that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, tell us about that process. So, you you found this item and you actually went through the process of having it authenticated, is that right? Okay. Walk us through that. What did, how did that A, how did you decide that that was something you wanted to do? What did that cost? How do you yeah. think it improved the value of the item? Just uh, kind of walk me through that whole scenario. Well, I will give my daughter credit. She picked it up at the Goodwill and she said, oh my gosh, this is heavy and put it back. And that kind of caught my attention. I was like, well, let me see that. Um, But it turned out to be a 1980s um, Chanel belt is basically what it is. It's rather chunky. It's rather gaudy. It's a bright gold. Um, When she put it back and I picked it up, she goes, it's Chanel. And I said, there's no way (laughs) we're at Goodwill, you know? So... (laughs) I looked at it and it had a Chanel mark on it. And I thought, well, for because all the belts at my Goodwill are a dollar. I thought for a dollar, I'll take it home and look oh, into wow. it. Wow. Threw it a bag in the garage, forgot about it. A week later, she stopped by. She said, where's that belt? Did you look it up? And I said, no, it's in the garage. Oh, man. So we dug it out and looked around for a little bit. And I said, you know, this, 
others were coming up that were exactly the same. Um, but I didn't feel like the marking on it was correct. And so I kept digging. And then, you know, eventually I Googled how to tell if Chanel is authentic. And this website came up. It's called lollipuff.com. They only authenticate certain brands. And Chanel happened to be one of them. So higher end um, clothing, basically, um, brands is what, and purses. They, they have a list on their website of the brands that they deal in. And that costs $25 to have it reviewed and then another $25 to have a link to the certificate of authenticity. Gotcha. So they sent me an email that said, yes, it's authentic. And I about fell out of my chair. First of all, I, you know, I spent the $25 to have it authenticated thinking they were going to confirm for me that I could throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, they, you pay the $25 to authenticate it. If it's authentic, then you can pay another $25 to have them email you the link to that certificate right that certificate includes all of the pictures that you have sent to them and then their authenticity guarantee i don't know that that helped the buyer but it helped me to feel confident in listing the word authentic in my in my listing and to ask the price that i was asking for it and you you had it listed for seven something is that right 750 is what i was asking and you got five five nice Mm -hmm. very nice 26 in 500 out yeah i think that's that's pretty good there. Absolutely. That that's yeah. a win. We all look for those kind of things that, you know, that's the one that you end up making a video about. <laughs> so how long did that process take? Cause I see guys talking about like comic books and sports cards and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where the authentication process sometimes is eight months, a year. Like it really takes a long time. Yeah. What, what was the time frame from the time you reached out to them to the time you knew it was golden as it were? Yes, it was. Um, for that one, it was just a couple hours. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Are, are they? And I really, I I didn't know. It said um, their email gave a time frame, I think, of, you know, so many business days. But this was a Sunday evening and they got back to me in a couple hours. So I don't know what their staffing is like there or if that's typical or not. But So you didn't have to send the item physically into them. You were just no. able to send pictures? That probably helps with that because I know with like with the sports card authentication, you're actually sending the item to them and they're, you know, doing whatever it is they do to authenticate and grade a card or whatever. There's such a huge um, expanse. Well, what's the word I'm looking for? The um, requests for those authenticities for the cards has just grown exponentially recently. Right. That business is just off the the chart right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you dabble in anything like that? Do not. (laughs) You know, you start hearing about all these cards and I think, Oh my, my son had those Pokemons when he was little, but I think we must've gotten rid of all of them. Um, my, so I have a little bit of an age range. My oldest is 26 and then 22 and then 14. So the 26 had Pokemon cards and my 14 year old now has the newer Pokemon cards. So I pulled out some of hers, but it, we didn't really have anything of value that I would say, hey, I'm taking that card. I'm going to sell it. Right, right. <laughs> kind of things. Um, my sons, yeah, we must have gotten rid of those years ago. So we, we didn't have any of those left. But, you know, so that it piques your interest when you hear about, you know, how many people are involved in it recently. And um, that was that was it. Yeah. So do <laughs> <For> you, <me. laughs> if you hear something like that, a, a, a niche that you're not in, how do you either decide I want to look into this further or I'm not, that's just not like the sports cards things. I've got some that I picked up super cheap, Yeah, but it's just, they're still sitting. 
on my cash pile because I just don't want to mess with them. There's like a thousand of them. And I just, I end up selling them a binder at a time for 10 bucks and shipping. And, you know, somebody else is probably striking it rich, but how do you, how do you decide, you know, that looks interesting, but I don't, I don't want to spend the time to learn a new niche or that may be something that I do want to spend the time to learn. How do you decide those things for your, your, your business? Well, I have found just in general that I don't like shipping large items. So when I started hearing everybody's talking about these VCRs with the DVD and the VCR in the same machine. So I found one at Goodwill for $5 and I thought, oh, well, you know, my Goodwill, we can return electronics within so many out, so many days if they don't sell. So oh, I'll take that home and test it. It sat in my van. I never even brought it in. And after a while I looked at it and I thought, I do not want to ship that. And I took it and I redonated it. Yeah. (laughs) So. I will, you know, I'll investigate. Obviously, you know, I thought, you know, I would look into the VCR DVD combos, but that's just in the end, not interest me. <laughs> and so it's an, it's an interest level. You know, I, I, I heard about the cards. I looked into them. We didn't have anything here. I wasn't interested in stocking the stockers at Walmart to get the new boxes. Right. <laughs> um, and honestly, the sports cards, they're just not of interest to me. I do have a handful of sports cards here because they came in a lot with um, some Mark Martin collectibles that I picked up. Um, but other than that, I don't, you know, it, it's an interest level because I have enough inventory and I have enough resources to find inventory now. If it's not something that interests me, I'm not going to not gonna spend the time with it. Right. So that was kind of my next question. What of the things that you have decided are in your wheelhouse, as it were, What? how do yeah. you source those things? Where are you finding things? Um, you know, are you a, a thrifter? Are you an estate sale person? Do you do a little bit of everything? Tell, tell us a little bit about your sourcing strategy. First of all, I am amazed at the amount of resources that are available because when I first started this, I thought garage sales and thrift stores were the only way. Um, I have learned that there are online auctions. That we, I'd been to a couple of auctions, um, but there's online auctions. So, you know, finding other things on Facebook Marketplace, I never would have thought to resell stuff off of there. Um, I enjoy the online auctions but then you forget how cold it is when you have to go pick everything up and pile it in your car um i enjoy garage sales i just actually we had just come back from an estate sale that's not really an estate sale there's a gal here in town that does um house cleanouts and so she helps people that are moving and she helps run their estate sales for people for people that have passed and families that have hired her. Um, but because of the laws in Ohio right now, she is not comfortable having an open house estate sale. And so she just calls us one at a time to set appointments, which is really actually, it's a really nice way to visit oh, yeah. an estate sale. <laughs> yep. um, but luckily um, I'm kind of at the top of her list. And so whenever she calls my mom and I will definitely go and it, at a very minimum, we will go take a look. Um, but typically we find something that we can purchase from her. So that's been a really nice relationship to have. But beyond that, um, I'm looking on Facebook Marketplace every once in a while. I'm not finding a whole lot in my area in that regard, but um, online auctions and Goodwill. Yeah. Do you have, how has Goodwill been in your area? Because I see anecdotally a lot of people talking about Goodwill pricing (laughs) has just gone through the roof in a lot of areas. Are you finding that where you're at or is it still pretty decent? So our local Goodwill falls under the Northwest Ohio branch, and they have stayed fairly consistent. Some of the clothing prices I've noticed have gone up, but I don't tend to sell a lot of clothing. So we have um, the $1 items that I look for in our store. In our store, the $1 items are wallets, stuffed animals, 
toys, belts, neckties, scarves, and some dishes. And a lot of our dishes are only 50 cents. And so I tend to pick up those things there. That's what I look at first. Um, I'll browse the whole store. There's um, different prices on their knickknacks and collectibles and books and um, books and media. I don't pick up a lot of, uh, but those vary in price there and also the um, picture frames and artwork. Yeah. Did you notice through kind of this whole pandemic situation that their inventory levels maintained consistency or did they get more stuff? I know a lot of Goodwills were like super backed up and they were, you know, selling stuff by the pallet because they just couldn't process it all. What was, what was your experience like up there? When they first opened back up after having been closed down, I think for about a month or so, um, it was full, but I didn't feel like it was overflowing and they certainly weren't selling pallets. Like we saw, um, Josh shopping for on Harry Tornado's channel. Um, we didn't have anything like that here. I, I am in a smaller town. Um, we're kind of surrounded by farms out here. so And it's really windy they, up there. Yes, <laughs> I've mentioned in our, when we were corresponding <laughs> before this, I had family that lived in that area. And every time I would go up there, man, it was like a hurricane all the time. It was crazy to me. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of open fields, yeah. So, um, but that keeps inventory just low in general. There's always something new there for sure. I could go every day and see something different. Um, I don't think that they got overwhelmed here. And yeah. if they did, it didn't show in the store. Um, maybe they shipped it out. I'm not sure. But um, even like so when Salvation Army, op- we do have a Salvation Army here too. When they opened back up, they did have a sale on clothing. But that was the only thing I saw that was overloaded there. And they were just trying to get rid of winter because it was getting warmer. Right. Um, so... There was more, but it wasn't, it didn't feel overwhelming. Yeah. Do you travel kind of beyond the local area to go to thrift stores or estate sales, or do you try to stay within, you know, a 10, 15 mile radius of, of where you live? So I set my highbid.com to search for auctions within a hundred miles, but that put me into Ontario, Canada. So I scaled it back down to 50. (laughs) Um, Which that would get you into Toledo at least, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's definitely the 50 mile radius. I can get into Toledo. Um, so, you know, typically I, Toledo is about an hour drive if I'm into the city there and I tend to have to run up there every once in a while just to stop at the Girl Scout store or go to a different like targets up there. I don't get to target very often, unfortunately. Um, so if I do run up there, I will make a circuit of the Goodwills up there. There's also Salvation Army and a couple of Humane Society stores that I like to stop at. So I, I do know, you know, approximately where there is right. a large amount in a smaller area. If I get up there um, in town, I've got Goodwill, Salvation Army, and then a hospital um, charity thrift shop. And those are all within just a couple miles of me. Yeah. So, so- I don't, uh, I don't, tend to go out looking for thrift stores but if i'm in an area for something else i will look for one the farthest we went for to pick up an auction was into indiana but that border again is not how far did we drive to get to indiana mom it seemed like it was a couple hours maybe yeah Yeah, so that's about as far as i've gone out on purpose so right (laughs) so let's shift gears a little bit and talk about your youtube channel and your social media presence. So for starters, how, where, where did the name come from? 
You know what? It's a, a name that's been kind of floating around out there for me for a while. I had a small um, uh, retail shop where people made handmade items and they would bring them in and we were kind of um, an outlet for I'm trying to think what's the word. It's not thrift. It's a... Uh, Consignment. Thank you. (laughs) So we had a consignment shop of handmade items and that name came up somewhere around 2012. It was going to be for items that were repurposed rather than made from new materials. Um, Didn't do much with it. It sat out there in Facebook land floating around by itself for a while. And then when um, my mom and I decided to pick up our Etsy and start making crafts again, we used it for our Etsy shop, but then craft shows got quickly shut down. Right. <laughs> and so um, that name just kind of came along with me over to eBay and Instagram and gotcha. YouTube. So that's your, your store name on the various mm-hmm. sites. So you've got it kind of branded throughout. Cause I've kind of done the same thing. I, my galaxy CDs was my old record store, an actual physical okay. record store back in the day. And I opened an eBay account like you way back in 2000 that was Galaxy CDs Rocks. So I just kind of kept that around and didn't do anything with it for <laughs> about seven years. And then when I decided to do this, I'm like, well, I've already got, I've got the name, I've got a logo, I've got the eBay store. Why not mm-hmm. just use that and kind of use that brand everywhere? So that really, that's great that you're able to do that. So what, how did, why did you decide to start YouTube? Um. I had just, I had consumed so much of it and I thought, oh my gosh, I could probably do this too. And I think I would enjoy it. Um, I'm a little behind. I'm, I'm actually a couple of weeks behind putting out content. Um, but when I do sit down and do it, <clears throat> excuse me, I do enjoy it. I, I've found that I enjoy the editing process, which I was a little frustrated with at first trying to learn. Um, but the more I do it, the more I've enjoyed it. I like um, being able to share what I've learned because I took in so much you know, to be able to put it back out there and say, hey, I'm still learning, but I can share with you what I've found and what has worked and what hasn't. And, um, you know, it just it's a really great opportunity. Again, that whole community idea that so many people have shared so much with me, just, you know, to be able to put just some of it back out there felt really good. Yeah. What kind of goals yeah. do you have for the channel, you know, looking six months, a year, two <laughs> years down the road? Yeah. You know, I don't really, I just, um, for me, that's more of a hobby, um, where, you know, the eBay has kind of turned into a business. I'm YouTube is still really just a lot. It's just a hobby for me. Right. I haven't made any, you know, huge commitments to it. I prefer if I can put out a video a week. I I think that that, um, helps the algorithm from what I'm hearing and from what I'm seeing and experiencing that kind of consistency would be ideal um but i haven't made that much commitment to it right and it's it's hard because there is no real financial benefit every right. time i do <laughs> you know i've got this pile of books down here on the floor that i started working on this morning that are still sitting here and i'm like man yeah. if i spend an hour working on a youtube video or a podcast or whatever that's a it's an hour lost of doing the other thing but yes. it kind of helps keep me sane a little bit <laughs> You know, because yeah, you definitely need that break. Um, you know, when eBay and reselling becomes a business and it's work, you definitely need to take some breaks from that. Right, and the, the I don't know how you feel about the listing process, but that is by far my least favorite. I don't mind packing, I don't mind shipping. Yeah. Obviously, everybody loves sourcing, but listing <laughs> is that's actually work. And you know, when you've got, I've got 
about 6,000 items, 6,300 in my store. So that's a lot uh-huh. of time kind of sitting here in the basement grinding away with my phone and my stacks of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, doing these videos and that is a nice, a nice break to kind of get out of that grind. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So my store is sitting around. It, it bounces between 400 and 500 listings. Um, I don't mind the listing. I My hang up is the photographing, taking the time to pull the item out, set it up in the light box, take pictures, inventory it, put it back. That kind of um, that physical work, I guess, is kind of the most daunting for me. Um, but once I have all the pictures stored on my phone, I can just sit down and right. list whenever I have a second or a minute or if, you know, something's playing on the TV and I'm not interested in it, but my family is watching it, I can sit and list. So that part doesn't bother me. Um, I enjoy the research part of it. Um, but yeah, that I guess that physical movement of inventory is where I get hung up the most. Yeah. Do you do all your listings on the mobile app? 99% of them. Yeah. Every once in a while, if I've got the laptop open and I'm researching something on there, um, I might just list it from there too, but the pictures automatically upload from my phone to the cloud. And so I can access those from the computer. Right. Right. So that makes it easy too. Now, yeah. About 99% of my listings on the phone. You're, you talked about earlier, um, you cross list to a lot mm-hmm. of different platforms. Are you doing that all manually or do you use some software for that? So I started out doing it manually and then I kept hearing about List Perfectly, so I went ahead and downloaded it for a trial, and I paid for a couple months of it. And then by about the third time I had to pay for that, I thought, I do not want to pay for this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was beneficial. It was worth every penny that I spent on it, Excuse me, but I didn't want to continue paying for it. And so now I'm just doing it manually, just copy and paste. Yeah. And what kind of time difference do you think for, because you're listening to several platforms, mm-hmm. what's... How much does it cost you in time to not have the access to that software? Not enough, obviously, to make it worth paying for, but. Yeah, because I would have to do that from the laptop, that was kind of an inconvenience because you can only use this perfectly on your laptop or a computer. You can't do it on a mobile device because it is a Chrome extension. So, you know, having to wait till I got to the computer to cross post was kind of an inconvenience. So in that aspect, it's easier just to do it from my phone. Um, as far as, you know, the flipping back and forth and the cross or the uh, copying and pasting and pulling the photos up is just seconds anyhow. So mm, it, I was okay not paying for it. Right, right. Um, <laughs> so do they, in addition to, because I don't use it and I don't, I, I cross post just a handful of items. So if you sell something on one platform, do you have to then manually go in and delete it from the other platforms or how does that work? We're way off so, the rails here, but <laughs> yeah. well, <clears throat> going along, yeah, I mean, still with reselling, but list perfectly has several levels of monthly payments that you can make for different services. And if they're either, I think mid or high tier, then um, they will delete those for you. I never paid for that much service. I'm, I was absolutely perfectly fine going in and deleting those myself. How much, how many uh, items do you sell in a given a week or a month? What's kind of your velocity? Um, that's a good question. So I had a really busy weekend with the holiday and I had 18 packages from yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday 
I, that didn't include Monday. That was just one weekend, but that was still a busy weekend for me, 18 going out in a weekend. Um, so I would say in a week, I typically probably max out at 30 yeah. packages. And that's pretty consistent. And you said eBay yeah. is by far yeah. the biggest platform. <laughs> what, what, what kind of, if you were going to put a number on it, what kind of percentage do you think is eBay versus the others? 75, yeah. 80. Yeah. Yep. That's, I hear that pretty consistently. Do you ever think about um, doing Amazon at all? Is that something that piques your interest? I know a lot of people just swear by Amazon. Yeah. Um, So I've heard people talk about it. And I think with the items that I sell, I don't think it's a good fit for Amazon. Um, It sounds like a pretty intensive process to get involved with Amazon. And I haven't put the effort into learning what it's all about. Um, I've solely made my judgment based on what I sell. So every once in a while, I'll find a new inbox item and I think, oh, I could put this on Amazon. But then I think, yeah, but it's only one item. So um, I don't have replenishables typically. Um, Most of the items I find are one off. And so I just, it doesn't seem like a good fit, I guess. Yeah. So no. (laughs) I haven't put much thought into that. So as you look forward over now 2021, what kind of goals have you set? What kind of things are you going to try to accomplish this year? You know, I'm really happy with the way my store is performing. Again, with that 400 to 500 items listed in there, there are definitely some things like my daughter and I went through a couple bins the other day and I thought, okay, these have been here long enough. They're just going to go back to Goodwill and taking them down. So making sure that the items I have listed are quality going to move, not going to sit here for a year um, is definitely um, a goal. I don't want to have items that I don't think are going to move pretty quickly, or if they've been here long enough that I'm, you know, I've paid so little for them that it's okay to give them back. Right. <laughs> so I, I'm very careful about, you know, how much I'm spending per item. Um, but I definitely want items that are popular enough that I don't have to worry about them sitting here for a while, sinking to the bottom of the bin. And then, you know, me seeing three years later, Oh, where is that? Right. <laughs> so basically a goal, you know, I, I just want higher quality items. Um, I want. I don't want to sell six dollar items, but if you know, over the years, uh, not over the years, over the weeks, as things don't sell, I tend to lower the prices just to get them moving um, through the bulk edit sale right. manager on eBay, which yep. I really enjoy. Um, so I don't want to have so many items that I feel like I need to do that a lot. Right. Because that's the position I'm in. I've got stuff that's been here for a year and I'm almost every month I'm running some kind of promotion on, mm-hmm. you know, here's everything over $8 that's over 300 days old is now 50% yes. off and trying to trying to move it. I haven't gotten to the point yet where I'm pulling that stuff down and donating it somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm just, maybe I'm a little too greedy on <laughs> trying to recoup <laughs> my money on that. I'll mark it down half and, you know, try to squeeze a nickel out of it or whatever, but so before we go, is there anything else, any tips that you would give people that are really, really new to reselling or that stumble on this conversation and say, man, I, I think I would like to get into this, but I really, I don't know how to start. I feel like shipping can sometimes be the biggest stumbling block. And um, a lot of people look at eBay with all of the fields that they have available that you can fill in and say, I don't want to fill in all of those fields. So Looking into how shipping works first and asking a lot of questions is a good idea when you're first getting started. And then looking at eBay and only filling in the 
not necessarily recommended spaces, but the required spaces. Right. Because it's not, your item is still going to sell. Even if only you fill in the required spaces, even if you only fill in your title, it's still going to sell. And I've been amazed at how many items that have very little information have sold, but I take a lot of pictures. I use every time I can fill all 12 of those picture yes. spaces with a different angle, more information, close-ups, things like that. For me, it's faster to take picture than it is to input that information. Absolutely. And I, I think that makes a bigger difference too. I know eBay is all about their item specifics, but I'm with you. I think at the end of the day, if you've got item X and you've got more better pictures than the other person who's trying to sell that exact same item at the exact same price, you're going to win whether they checked off all those boxes or not because people are so visual. They look at it and oh, I can see there's no cracks, there's no marks, there's no whatever, no rips, no tears. Those are the things that I think people really value when they're looking right. at something. So that I think makes all the difference in the world. That makes a difference to me. And so I felt like, you know, I could give my buyers more confidence in that item coming from me if it had more pictures. Yep. So, yeah. Anything else but you'd yeah, like to add? Starting out, um, I mean, I, I would say try it, you know, see if you like it, see if this is a process that you're going to enjoy. Start with your stuff. You know, we all say this, start with what you have at home yep. that you don't want, that you want to, you know, maybe move to a different home that still has value. Yeah, absolutely. I, again, my interview yesterday with uh, Jeff, I, I talked about that start. It's a great way without spending any money to find mm -hmm. out if you're any good at it, if you enjoy it and kind of learn the process without getting super, super deep. You know, you see sometimes these guys are, they've been reselling for a week and they order a pallet or something, you know what I mean? And they're just like, Oh man, what if you hate this process and now you've got a garage full of stuff, right? Yeah. So what, any, any other uh, comments or suggestions for anybody before we go? That's it. That's all I got. Just, you know, give it a shot. If it's something you're interested in, there's lots of information available you know, you, you can find an answer to your question about reselling on YouTube, on Google, on Facebook. It, it's out there if you need information. It's And it's available for free. So Right. It's a, it's a great community. She's absolutely right. Everybody has been very helpful. Like I've talked about before, that's one of the reasons I started my channel. It's why you've started yours, to be able to give back to the community that helped me when I was thinking about getting started. So with that, Excellent. we're going to wrap it up. I really appreciate you taking some time out uh, for today. Uh, remind everybody where they can find you online. Oh, well, thanks for having me. But I am um, Rebel Junk, so it's J-U-N-Q-U-E. And that is on Instagram, YouTube, and eBay. Awesome. And I will have links to all of that in the show notes and the video description below. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. I, once again, I want to thank Aaron uh, Rebel Junk for taking some time out to talk with us on Wednesday. I hope you found that to be informative and interesting. If you did and you're on YouTube, you know what I'm about to say. Whack that thumbs up button. Let the YouTube algorithm know that this was a good video so that it will recommend this and videos like it to others. I did want to talk about, I reached a couple of milestones um, over the last week. The podcast actually exceeded 4,000 listens. So thank you for all of you across the world who are listening to this podcast. I truly appreciate it. Uh, the YouTube channel continues to grow slowly but surely, but a lot of really positive feedback. And I do read every single comment. Hopefully there will come a day where there are so many of them, I just 
can't do that. But for the moment, know that if you, if you share something with me, I do read it and I do very much appreciate it. With that, as always, thank you so much for spending part of your day with me talking about reselling. And now it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.